This episode of With Love and Justice for All is brought to you by Bliss Books and Wine. Bliss Books and Wine is an independent black-owned bookstore for wine enthusiasts and book lovers. Listed as one of the black-owned bookstores in America that amplify the best in literature by OprahDaily.com, Bliss Books and Wine is your go-to for all your favorite titles, including ebooks and audiobooks. And when we buy from black-owned businesses, we are helping to create a world of racial equity. When ordering online, use the code 846BOOK for a 10% discount. That's 846-B-O-O-K for a 10% discount at blissbooksandwine.com. Exploring the healing and culture building practices of embodied anti-racism. This is With Love and Justice for All with Reverend Ogan Holder and Reverend Kelly Isola. Howdy, howdy, everyone. Welcome to Project Sanctus, uh, our podcast of With Love and Justice for All. And I'm Reverend Kelly Isola. I'm here with my partner in crime, consciousness, and co-creation, Reverend Ogan Holder. And um, we have conversations around embodied anti-racism, dismantling oppression, fostering liberation, and particularly the often the, the special challenges that arise uh, as spiritual seekers uh, within spiritual communities. And we're going to actually touch on some of that today as we continue our series on dismantling the patriarchy. Um, we want to thank our listeners that are all over the globe, more than 30 countries around the world. I love being able to say we're global. And um, most every state in the U.S., I believe, uh, is has been listening in at some point or another, and I'm assuming it's not one person that's traveling in their RV. <laughs> and if there, and if it is, glad to have you. <laughs> yeah, well, that's true. Absolutely, it's good to have you. So, how are you doing today? Um, I'm doing. I'm doing good. Um, yeah, um, I think I have. Again, every time I say, I think I'm finally over COVID. Um, <laughs> and I have something that lingers, but I think even the lingering is gone. So I think I am fully healed from this, my third round of COVID. Um, well, my second official round, because I think, remember when COVID first hit the States, like a lot of people were getting it and didn't even know they were getting it. Right. It's, they just thought it know, was the flu or some right. Exactly. So I remember very early in 2020 coming in with something that just laid me out beyond anything Mm. I'd ever had before. And I think I had it then. This is before we were diagnosing it. This is way before quarantines, way, way, way before vaccines. Yeah. Um, So, yes, this recent bout was my third bout. And I am, I think I'm good. I think I'm good. Um, The lingering of the lingering is leaving. Exactly, exactly. Um, and I'm very much looking forward to today's topic because um, this is sort of, I guess, our our wheelhouse more than anything yeah. else that we we do. Um, talking about how the patriarchy shows up in, in spiritual spaces, churches, and stuff like that. Plus, it, I think, gives us the opportunity to um, afflict some more comfortable people um, as, as well. <laughs> so... <laughs> I mean, you know, I got pa- to pause there for a second, because I don't know if you've noticed in the uh, that unity minister discussion forum. Now there's a whole hullabaloo around saying that 
afflicting the comfortable. Like using the word afflict, isn't that like mean, <laughs> you know, and judgmental? There, and... Listen, there's a reason I don't spend a lot of time there anymore. <laughs> I, I check in like I check in like once a week, see what yeah. see what the big you know conversations what... <laughs> are. I saw some people throwing some flack your way because you said a thing about appropriation and yeah. you know stuff like that. So I again. Part of self-care is intentionally not taken into things that agitate us. However, we also can't just ignore them all together, right. yeah. you know? So you got to find that balance that works for us. And, you know, that uh, checking in, checking in with that group once a week is good enough. It's more than enough. Well, I enough also find it, I also find it, um, helpful for my own learning, like how to respond, you know, right. not just when and if, but if I do, what is it that I'm saying? Recognizing that, you know, things that are done email or on social media where you're not face-to-face and you can't hear the voice are four times more emotionally intense. Like that's, you know, mm. eeks that do the research, you know, so knowing that what, you know, and keeping in mind intent and impact, you know, paying attention to the impact of what I say and potentially changing some of it or, you know, just, but noticing that. So I, sometimes I will engage for, you know, hopefully for my own learning, um, right. you know, how to respond, but not how to respond to stop afflicting people, but how to respond, you know, make sure I'm clear, you know, witnessing my own stuff, putting that out there, you know, kind of thing. So, but yeah, I'm so with the- you. I can't, I can't check in too often. <laughs> Are the people are the people leading the anti-affliction charge tired of being afflicted? Is that what's happening? <laughs> I that's what I think. And it's that it's also part of that whole conversation around, well, aren't we all one? You know, it's mm. it's not in the same thread, but it's part of that same conversation. Right, um, right, right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, all right. <laughs> we'll come back to that. We I'm squirreled sure. enough for the opening. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So if you want to join our conversation, uh, which we've just started getting going, you can message us on Facebook or Instagram. Our handle is at Get Our Holy On. You can also uh, call. Um, we have a phone number, 413-438-4659, also known as 413-GET-HOLY. And on today's show, um, we are continuing our discussion. This is part four of Dismantling the Patriarchy, and our focus is on church, spirituality, and religion. You know, we've mentioned it, I think, in a few previous episodes that we thought we were going to do two, just two on Dismantling the Patriarchy, and then very quickly realized in the first episode we were talking like, yeah, we're going to have to branch out a little bit and tackle some different uh, you know, territories of the patriarchy. So we talk about how, you know, it shows up in different ways, how we perpetuate it, how it is perpetuated, you know, who's harmed by it, how might I be harming someone, you know, and and what can I do um, to, uh, to, you know, kind of the antidote and what am I continuing to learn? So um, what do we got coming up? As always, we have our affinity groups every first and third Wednesday, 7.30 p.m. Eastern. Um, I think the next one will be November. What would that be? We 15th. had one on the 1st of the 15th. Yeah. Um, and I've got my my men's group uh, called Men Better Together. That's every second and fourth Wednesday. So that's tomorrow. If you 
depending on when you listen to this, or it might be tonight, right. whenever you listen to this. It's the it's it's the eighth. It's November the eighth. Uh okay. and and thanks to daylight saving time, uh, because you guys fell back. I'm right. still here in Casablanca for one more week. It'll be 2 a.m. when I start that. Uh, you, you're committed. I am. There's a thin line between what is it, <laughs> commitment and foolhardy obsession, maybe. I don't know. But um, but yes. Um, and, and next week I'll be back in my home country of Barbados. And they're only they're only hour ahead. So that'll be much more manageable. So you could check that out. Also, um, please check out my Substack. It's called Necessary Trouble. You know, as we speak about, you know, afflicting the comfortable again. Um, yeah. yeah, Necessary Trouble, where I'm writing about grief. I'm writing about these spiritual issues like you talk about. Um, I'm writing about relationships. And um, so I call it musings on on life, love, loss, and liberation. There you go. I, I like alteration. I, I I have a thing for that. So, anyways, um, which I realize in hindsight doesn't really tell you much about what I'm writing about in detail, but you know, I, I, don't, I don't think I don't know that you could because I think if you tried to, you'd leave something out. It, it, exactly, and I'm trying not to do that thing where it's like, you know, pick a lane and stick with it. So I could I could just write about grief. I could just write about you know, anti-racism. I could just write about, but I was like, you know what? These are all facets of who I am. So I'm going to write about all of them. And if you're confused, uh, you know, apologies, but just keep reading. Welcome to the club. <laughs> yeah. You'll, you'll, you'll see the common thread that runs through all the things. They're all, they're all related. And yes. if there's, and if there's anything that often readers say is thank you for pulling these things together. Thank you for bringing you know, spirituality and metaphysics into, you know, relationships and non-monogamy. Thank you for talking about, you know, like we do anti-racism into, into the spiritual, into a spiritual context and relationship context. Like uh, all these things are interrelated. So anyways, that's a, so Substack, it's necessarytrouble.substack.com. Or if you've got the Substack app, just look me up, uh, necessary trouble. And as always, um, you can see what we're doing at projectsangus.com. Um, I think we're talking about starting another book study soon. And we've been working on um, a special project that's going to drop soon in case you're wondering, like, they haven't been doing any workshops or classes or book studies for a little while. Um, we've been working on a project and we're going we're gonna to release that to you soon. So so stay tuned. Stay tuned on that. But um, But yeah, so... I think that's what we got going on. And as we jump into this conversation around you know, how patriarchy shows up and how we uh, perpetuate patriarchy in you know churches, spirituality, religion, um, I feel like it makes sense to start at the top or at the center, depending on your personal theology. Let's let's talk about God and how we impose the patriarchy onto god first of all um and which you know, then in which then in turn over time god imposes the patriarchy on on right? followers yep exactly exactly so um and by this i mean 
you know, in not just in Christianity, but in other religious yeah. faiths, God, God is masculine. God is a man. God is yeah. he, um, which is fascinating because again, if you look at Christian scripture or um, in the Bible and we read in the earliest passages of Genesis, um, God is very clearly a consortium right yeah. let us a pantheon, let us, <laughs> a pantheon. Uh, yeah. let us let us create man in uh, in our image um and it's it's a intentionally plural and it is i think you know i'm assuming that because it was creating man in our image the idea was oh so therefore god must be male um yeah. and I'm gonna say no to that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say that you know it was a, it was a let us let us let let humanity spring forth from the divinity of it all. I like that. I like that interpretation. <laughs> well, you know it. Uh, um... What's interesting is the, uh, you know, the patriarchy of God is that, uh, you know, long before that, it was matriarchal cultures. And, yes. You know, and, and even the, when you, you know, mentioned the pantheon of gods, even in the, you know, initial, because there's three versions of the Ten Commandments, in case people don't know. In the first version, it, one of them is, you shall have no gods before me which means there's other gods, but I'm at the top of the food chain. Right. Um, so that, so there's not, you know, so there's that piece, the piece you mentioned. And here's another little factoid that's one of my favorites is, um, you know, Sarah, who is written in, in Hebrew scripture, the wife of Abraham. Um, and, and that scripture was written 3,000, 3,500 years ago. But at the time, that that story takes place, matriarchal cultures were still around, although they were slowly getting, you know, shut down, muffled, moved out, you know, for, for monotheistic God, for more, you know, uh, patriarchal. And at the time, though, of Sarah, and, and right before that, um, God was Yahweh, right? Mm -hmm. But Yahweh had a wife. Yes. Yahweh had a wife, and that wife was every bit as powerful, every bit as strong, every bit. It was like a, a partnership, you know, like a side by side. But you don't ever hear that, that Yahweh had a wife. And, and what you also don't hear, sorry. Oh, yes. Well, I'm afraid it makes me happy. <laughs> and what you also don't hear a lot about is many of these uh, matriarchal um, faiths, religions, movements, whatever the word you want to call them. Um, a lot of them were um, very much uh, associated with fertility and yep. um, and with birth. sex and birth and and sex as well and um, and it well and, I, well in earth sorry. like environment earth oh nature. earth I thought you said yeah. birth well that too yeah that too that too and 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 part of as as you said, these matriarchal cultures were uh, over time just systematically silenced and erased. A lot of it 
um, then be, this is this is how the not the obsession, but the idea that that sex became an evil thing um, because it was associated with these matriarchal movements. There's a lot of evidence, for example, to uh, there's a line of thinking to show that uh, Mary Magdalene, for example, was possibly a, a, a priestess in one of these matriarchal movements that still survived in Jesus's day. And in order to be smarter later on, the church, the universal church, the Catholic church said, um, well, if she belonged to uh, a matriarchal centered movement, it must've been one of those sex cults. So therefore she was a whore. She was a prostitute and we're going to, we're going to call her that to systematically again, erase um, the matriarchal presence from, from the, um, the monotheistic religion, the religion that would become monotheistic. Um, so it's, it's fascinating when you look at again and, and, you know, people, people say that, that, patriarchy is as we as we kind of describe it with our modern day american sensibilities a fairly recent invention um and that's really not the case maybe there wasn't a name for it thousands of years ago but this idea of maleness being superior over femaleness that has been around for a really 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 um, long time. Yeah, you just don't. Most <clears throat> most people, like in Christianity, you know, are introduced in the middle of the story. Yes, like, they don't get the the backstory. They just get, <clears throat> you know, God is and, He. Yeah, uh, you know, He's got a a beard and wearing a white robe with a big gold G on it, sitting on a cloud and passing out, you know, answers to prayers. And even when we sort of like graduate past that thinking and find ourselves having removed gender from God and we say God is love and God is spirit and God is not a man and God is not even a being, even when even when we do that, for many of us, we come to that after the God is a man. So the maleness of God is still embedded in, in, yes. in us in many ways. So it becomes, it becomes, it's still that, that, that current is still there. So even well, and you can, sorry, you can tell one way, sorry, but you can tell one way it's still there when you start talking about, um, if you start talking about sex and sexual pleasure, like not, you can't have that in the same conversation with God, you know, right. as you know, and the body, right. The, the, yes. the, the sensualness of the body and touching like you can't have that in the same conversation with God, which is a puritanical patriarchal, you know, keeping them separate. Um, yes. That's a, I mean, that's a, the biggest one, you know, or talk about, you know, using the Bible as a doorstop or to prop open a window, you know, that's like, ah, you know, sacred cow. <laughs> that's another one of those that is, um, you know, handed down through patriarchal belief and the, that the written word is more highly valued than the spoken word. Yes. And you're allowed uh, to use your Bible as a doorstop, by the way. Yes, yes, you are. Oh, for many years. And I also use them as a, to prop up my laptop to there you get go. a higher yeah. field yeah. of view. The Bibles, the, Bible, the, the concordances. 
Metaphysical uh, Bible Dictionary. Oh yeah, all all the things, all the things used to, <laughs> especially during the COVID from the early COVID days when it's like, oh, we need we need our camera at a higher angle. Let's find some right, thick right. Books. Nobody wants exactly. to look up our nose. Exactly, exactly. Um, so, um, so we find ourselves now in these in these spaces, these new thought spaces where um, God is not a being, God is not a man. So we say. Uh, but then we still genderize it. And we talked about this last week a little bit. We still apply a binary to it, um, a gender binary, when we say divine masculine and divine feminine. And and it's interesting to hear the pushback when I, yeah. you know, when we say things like, you know, this is, we have we've applied that patriarchal idea of the gender binary to this. And folks are pushing back because because they say no, we're not we're not talking about inequalities here. We're just talking about the essence and the energies of who we are. Um, and again, going back to this idea of God either being of no gender or multiple genders. Um, you know, I think I said this last week. God God is really the epitome of non-binary. Uh, so. Why do we apply these genders? And when we say it's not about inequality, if we look at some of the words that we use to describe, you know, divine or sacred masculine energy versus divine or sacred feminine energy. So words um, that we use for like the divine masculine, you know, words like uh, logic, uh, confident, committed, you know, protection, discipline. Think about words that you use for divine or sacred feminine, heart-centered, intuitive, wise, forgiven, collaborative, sensual, you know, kind. And it's not that there's anything wrong with any of these qualities, but it's curious how when we divide them between masculine and feminine, how they really reflect how we think about ourselves as human beings. Right. So we, th we, we think of men as the protectors. We think of men as the ones who are in authority, guidance, who who are the thinkers and not the feelers. Women are soft. Men are a little, you know, the harder side of things. Uh, men, men, men bring that like dogged willfulness, whereas women are more flexible and compassionate and reflective. And it's like, hmm, okay, we're saying we... we we want to say that the we hold these qualities equal to each other. Then, if we do, why have we separated them? Because I am willing to say that I am both confident and compassionate. I am both, uh, depending on who you ask, responsible, <laughs> um, <laughs> relentless, right? relentless. You know. Um, I can be very much a thinker and very much a feeler. So someone would say, that means your energies are balanced. Or maybe I just have one energy. Maybe I just have divine energy. Why, why yes. is there the need to, to separate between masculine and feminine? And I think because, again, part of how we make sense of the world is in, is in, is in binary, right? There's hot and cold. Contrast. There's hot and cold. There's tall and short. It's um, the compare and the contrast is how we delineate our world, make sense of our world, 
And I think we apply that to God as well. But as I always remind people, what is the temperature at which a thing stops being cold and becomes hot? There, there, there isn't. It's a, right. it's a smooth spectrum of temperature, right? right. So it's, it's the, these, these yeah. comparisons, I think, are not, or these delineations are simply perpetuating, again, that, that division of gender, that binary uh, of gender. Well, and, and yeah, like, at what point do you move from logic to intuition? Like, how, right. You know, um, I, I think most of us could explain what that embodied, you know, what logic feels like, you know, in the body or in the mind, as well as intuition. And it's a dynamic energy system that we're moving through. So where's the, oh, there, you just crossed the line. You're no longer being logical. <laughs> And when we think of this idea of logic being a masculine, excuse me, a masculine quality, where does that come from? A time when the men were the only ones allowed to be educated. Right. And 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 were the scholars and the authors and writers and all things and women. And the CEOs and the CFOs. And the women were anything but, you know, right. you women can't vote. You women can't think like, you know. Think of think of turn of the century times when um, women had to publish under male pseudonyms to get right. their work even accepted and and read and and we say oh but you know we've moved on from those times we have moved on and we still drag in some of that with us and and re repurposing and repackaging it um, and saying it's okay. Yeah, I, it's, um, you know, I've thought this for a long time, this idea of, you know, the divine feminine, divine masculine, why are they separating? And, and you know, you can see yourself in all the attributes, the qualities of being, and, and it, it, it makes, you know, it, it does make sense when someone, I mean, it's logical, <laughs> you know, when someone says, well, I'm expressing, you know, the divine feminine aspects on, you know, I'm expressing, you know, like for them, there's this logic to it and I can see it because I used to be there. So I can yeah. see it. I'm just not there now. And um, where it, it starts to get um, interesting is because I have some people in my life, you know, kind of close to me that are very, like their whole body of work and everything they do to earn a living is about, you know, women, you know, owning their divine feminine and, you know, letting go of the to toxic masculinity that they've been engaged in and, you know, owning their sovereignty and, and all divine feminine, you know, stuff. And so it's just, you know, it, it's just interesting to, you know, some of the conversations get a little, you know, like, fortunately, there, you know, there's an openness to listen. It's just, yep. uh, uh, there's a lot of pushback on it, because I think it's taken people a while to get to even divine feminine, divine masculine. And now it's like, yeah, moving on, you know, like this conveyor belt. Yes, yes. And, and to the point you're making, I understand when we talk about uh, perpetuating patriarchy, like we all internalize it, you know, as we keep saying over and over again, we, we're, we're born into these systems, into these cultures, into this way of being both male bodies, female bodies, or, you know, as my favorite sex podcast, I like to say both the penis owners and the vulva owners. So we don't, we don't, we don't assign the title of men and women. Cause, cause you know, yeah. not everybody fits under those categories, but for the most part, um, 
but everyone internalizes regardless of your gender you you internalize a lot of these patriarchal traits and as we talked a few episodes ago about especially in the workplace in or for so long in order to be seen and heard and recognized as uh, deserving to be there women had to show up in very manly ways aggressive um you know wearing the power suits uh you know bringing you know showing showing up as men traditionally showed up to be noticed so right. i get the idea of of reclaiming know who we are as women and what we bring to the table as ourselves is just as valid and just as deserved to be in that space. In fact, if it had been in that space from the beginning, we wouldn't be in the shit show of the planet that we are now. Um, or let me rephrase that. If it hadn't been systematically removed from where right. it was at the beginning, yeah. uh, we wouldn't be in the shit show that we are now. Um, so, so I can see that there's an extrapolation into like, if we're going to make this spiritual work, we need to call it that as well there's if there's if there's a human feminine aspect to us then there must be a divine feminine aspect to us and again that's reverse engineering god that is creating god in our image we can be human male or female masculine feminine it does not mean that god is this or spirit is this that's no we're, we're reverse engineering. We're taking that, creating it our image thing a little too literally. And then again, going, well, oh, well, this was me. God looks like us, feels like us, shows up like us. And even if we don't think God is a being, whatever we now use to describe the infiniteness of divinity, the all that is, there, then there still must be that male-female uh, right. aspect to it because it's us. Well, we also um, kind of work, you know, within those same circles, you know, when we start talking about divine feminine, divine masculine or divine attributes, we we also at the same time um, work at whether it's conscious or not, but work at transcending our humanity and go for the divinity. Not oh, realizing, I hate that. I hate that. I know, Sorry, go ahead. but not realizing <laughs> that the divine, the, our divinity is made manifest through our humanity. So, right. so, which for me lends itself to, I don't need to separate like, okay, which face is this? Is it more feminine, masculine, you know, like yeah. divine, you know, however I define the divine, you know, or divine attributes, but they're not, there's just too much like the body is, is bad, which brings us back to, it's a patriarchal thing, you know, the body's bad, sex is bad, you know, pleasure um, you know, don't, don't even bring up the word masturbation. Like maybe you can talk about intercourse, but don't bring up masturbation. And this also lends itself to, um, who, who we welcome into our spaces and, um, what we consider, as you're saying, um, permissive to talk about in those spaces. Um, and, and to be clear, there, there is an element of appropriateness here, right? We don't want to be talking about, you know, right. graphically sexual things yeah. Yeah, yeah. with seven-year-olds in the room. Like, that's not what we're saying. <laughs> that's not what we're saying. Um, and, and what we're saying is that for, for a long time, certain subject matters were taboo, not to be spoken about, leaving people in a confusion of like, 
well, yeah, I'm a, I'm a sexual being. I want to be in relationship with other people, but either I'm in a religion that, that lays down some really, really strict narrow rules about this, all of which favor men, or we don't talk about it at all. We don't talk about things like, um, non-traditional and i hate that phrase but for lack of a better term non-traditional like relationship styles um in in spiritual communities so for example i remember you know last year when i started talking and writing about non-monogamy um shocked to find out i wasn't the only one in you know in our faith unity who practiced non-monogamy who was polyamorous but I, I personally had never heard anyone talk about it, um, either from the pulpit or uh, a fellow congregant uh, right. as well. And come to find out that as I talked about it, you know, people would message me privately, always privately to say, thank you for talking about this. I am also polyamorous. I am also non-monogamous. Me and my partner, we swing, we do this, we do that. But we do not feel in any way safe to talk about it amongst folks in our spiritual spaces because we know that that's, quote unquote, not the norm. And therefore, we, we're going to lose people. We're going to lose friendships. We're going to do what churches love to do. We're going to be quiet shunned. You know, it's uh, and and for me, if. If. You know, so this, this is for the ministers listening, if there are any listening, or the lay leaders. If you're in a leadership position in a church, trust me, there are people in your congregation who are non-monogamous. And if they don't feel that uh, it's something that they can come to you about, or it's something that they can share openly, or they can show up with, you know, bring both their spouse and their girlfriend, or their two girlfriends, or whatever, to a space... Um, then you, perhaps it's time to look at um, the culture of inclusion that is there. And what? before you say we've never explicitly said, oh, we we never said those are forbidden or people in those types of relationships can't come here. You didn't say, but you said it. Right. You don't have to say it out loud, <laughs> you know. Right. So this actually uh, reminds me of, you know, on this this conveyor belt of of our, you know, kind of our evolution of um, patriarchy, you know, in the church or dismantling it is, you know, like we were just talking about divine feminine, divine masculine. I, I think that and I don't want to, um, you know, if that's if that's where you're at, that's fine. I, I don't have an attachment to that. And mm. I also recognize that the number of women that are finally because of the idea of the divine feminine and what that can mean and how I can you know embody that and practice that and express that often is about coming back to your body right and being comfortable with with um you know pleasure and women having to reclaim you know their bodies and that it's okay to you know to touch yourself it's okay to you know all all of that is um i think is really important one of the things that's come out of 
more focus, you know, a focus on divine feminine is women reclaiming, you know, their, their autonomy, reclaiming their sovereignty, you know, even though we have today's election day and hoping a bunch of states, you know, put into law abortion, you know, for the autonomy of the body. So I just wanted to add that because I think what you're talking about, Ogan, is one of those conveyor belt things that in needing to talk about it and embody it and more people being able to is how it's, you know, we move ourselves along. Yes. Um, and, uh, and so it's, it, so it's that, that idea of, um, you know, our people are, are, you know, that's sort of become the, the signature, the auto signature for churches, all are welcome. You know, it's become this like neon sign and the behavior and the unspoken things is um, not really, not quite. And the fact that what you just said of people not talking about it and discovering people, you know, that are um, polyamorous and, but don't talk about it in church, just lets you know, it's not a, it's not a, I'm not wanting to dog on these churches and you can't change what you don't acknowledge. And then it comes back to, uh, sorry, I'll say this one thing and be quiet, Mm -hmm. comes back to the patriarchal thing of the leader. Well, I can't say, I don't know about this. Like that's a very, that's a kind of an arrogant place to be, which is, you know, comes back to that patriarchal, you know, cultural thing of, you know, the leader has to know. Um, yeah. rather than say, I, you know, I hear this, I have no idea what it means. Somebody teach me. Yes. And, and we're not saying that, you know, you have to do a show of hands to let people know you're welcome. You know, <laughs> you know, you have to announce a Sunday morning. Oh yes. All the monogamous folks and all the non-monogamous right. folks and we just want to let everybody know you're welcome. No, we don't, we don't, we're not saying you have to do that. No one needs to be, you don't need to shine a spotlight on anyone. In fact, what the, the weird paradox is, is um, the weird paradox of this is to, to make a thing normal, again, a word I'm not found, fond of, but to make it normal and acceptable, it's almost part of that is we don't acknowledge it or talk about it. So you know, for example, I forgot who you were. Um, um, I think we had, I think this was a person who we had on as a guest, uh, Alex, the, the, mm-hmm. um, the trans woman who talked about um, having an episode where I think it was she and a partner were trying to take a picture somewhere and they asked someone to take the picture or someone asked them to help out and they took the picture and it was like, the most normal interaction that they had, right? No one pointed out the fact that, hey, you guys are trans or I'm a trans ally or anything weird like that. It's just like, hey, two normal people, you take your picture. So so some may think in not mentioning or bringing attention to it, then it's like, we're not making a big deal out of it. And that's not quite the approach I think you, you should take. Um, so just as just as we acknowledge those who are welcome through representation, you know, and perhaps consider in your materials, in your, uh, what do you call it? Um, Advertising your community, literature, you know, 
if you're going to use photographs, perhaps use a photograph of a non-monogamous triad or um, words are failing me right now. Um, well, outside the outside the the heteronormative. Exactly. Exactly. Perhaps when you take the time to to list all the folks who are welcome or, you know, you're welcome regardless of your uh, gender, your identity, your race, your ethnicity. Maybe in that list add relationship status, relationship structure, like, yeah. you know, stuff, stuff like that. Better, yeah. You know, um, you and you yours, know, if you said, huh? if you, sorry, if you said relationship structure, one of the big things that comes from that is probably 90% of people that would read it in the community go, what? And they're exactly. going to ask. And they're going to ask. Now and, you can open yes. the door. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so it's, and, and part of the asking is um, if you really want to be proactive about it, um, having, find someone outside of your community who's an authority and in whatever realm and have an educational informational meeting so that there's not fear around the unknown. Like I remember when I started sharing among my friend circles that I was um, polyamorous, some of them were like concerned now I want to date their girlfriend or I want to date their spouse. Yeah. And I'm like, that, yeah, yeah, that's not, that's not how this works me being this way doesn't mean I want to date everyone. <laughs> right. It doesn't mean I'm suddenly attracted to everyone. And it doesn't mean that if I'm attracted to someone, I'm going to do anything about it either. Yeah. Um, so, so the, I've, I've, I've lost friends and connections because of the misunderstanding and ignorance around what this means. Um, and what I want to say to folks is like, mm, I, I was like this before I told you, you didn't have a problem then. Right. <laughs> you made, you made certain assumptions when you thought I was monogamous or you make certain assumptions when you think a person is straight or gay or trans. But then when you find out that they're not who you thought they were or who you assumed them to be now, all of a sudden you make a whole other side of assumptions about right. them yeah. and their beliefs and what they're, and what they're going to do. Um, I'm so, still the same person from 30 seconds ago. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Nothing's changed about me. And you liked me fine before I said the thing. So like, what's, what's different now? In fact, it's, it's considered me liking you more because I felt that I was safe enough to tell you, um, right. sort of deal. So there's, so, so when we, when we talk about, again, to you say all are welcome here and this idea of, of, of inclusion. Um, inclusion is known just as much about what you, how you say you're inclusive and exclusion is known just as much as about what you don't say about how you are in, inclusive. Um, so never, never make assumptions about, about things. Um, and that people feel safe in your community. I can tell you there are a bunch of people who don't um, around around this issue, and it might and 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 when we come back to patriarchy's influence, that's part of patriarchy's influence because patriarchy says 
the norm is, you know, a originally it was a heterosexual binary relationship, man and woman. Now it's like, okay, okay, we'll 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 give you gay couples, right? So, you know, so now it's okay, you know, two men or two women. We're okay with that. As long as just two can handle can handle two people to being yes. in a loving, intimate sexual relationship together. But if it becomes more than that, well, now that's just weird. Yeah, um, now we're into a documentary on Netflix. Exactly. And and now on the other side of things, some people say like, uh, you know, there's a difference. But like, is it is it privacy or is it secrecy? And and what's the difference be, between yeah. the two? And absolutely, people are welcome to their privacy and entitled to their privacy. We don't need to tell everyone every single last iota about our lives. I'm not saying that either. Um, but sometimes there's this gray area between privacy and secrecy. And you know if it's a secret, if there's a lot of fear attached to it. If there's a fear of being outed, if there's a fear of losing people, if there's a fear of I will no longer feel belonging, if there's a fear of no longer fitting in, if there's any fear attached to the not sharing, we are now in the realm of secrecy. And even if you get over the secrecy and you're not afraid, it doesn't mean you have to tell, but I'm inviting people to know the difference. And if you were in the realm of secrecy, that means that that space is not feeling safe for you. And if it's not feeling safe for you, there might be a thing about the, it might not just be you being sensitive to being safe. It might be the culture of the space. And yeah. And the culture of the space is determined by the people who are in the space and the quote unquote norms of the space. And a lot of these norms are very consciously laid out. And a lot of them are unconscious and reflect our internalized biases um, and internalized patriarchies that we don't even know we have until someone shows up and disrupts it a little bit. Yeah. I want to, I want to say something about that, you know, inclusion. We, we want to say all are welcome or, you know, you know, acceptance, you know, these words um, like that. And yet, uh, you know, we're, we're an inclusive spiritual community, blah, blah, blah. And, but not actually realizing what, how we're defining inclusion. We think we know, meaning like everyone's welcome here, but the fact that everyone doesn't feel welcome means that you're not. And it likely means, which is not, I'm not trying to, you know, bring you down and be, you know, so highly critical. It's just, it's it's information. If you really want to be an inclusive spiritual community, then you need to look at where you're not inclusive. And what you do is think about it this way. You know, one, you can all, you can talk to people like, you know, individuals or, or, or something, but even where, did that idea of inclusion come from? Like, who's the, the group that got together? What did they look like? What did they believe that decided what inclusion means, right? More often than not, we use these words of inclusion and diversity, and yet they're built on pillars of, you know, patriarchy, of white privilege. Um, so when, you, when I think about inclusion, you know, it means I'm going to include something, which means I'm starting with something first and wanting to include something, right? So what am I bringing in 
what am I keeping out? What's the standard that I'm using that helps me define what I need to be including, that I want to include something? So there is a standard by which I'm bringing something into that wasn't there before. And so the question becomes, what is that standard? And it's such a... Um, you know, somebody's going to probably need to rewind and listen to that again, because it's it can sound kind of convoluted and circular reasoning, but it's if you're going to talk about including or inclusion, then you're starting with something to begin with, and you have been excluding. So what have you been, ex you know, and having to keep peeling that away until you get to you know, oh, so maybe we're not as inclusive as we thought, or here's discovering the ways that you've been exclusive, like the bulletins, like social media, like, you know, the, um, you know, music, like the arrangement of the chairs, the, you know, I'll even go so far as, you know, the education that spiritual leaders, you know, or clergy go through, you know, and to be ordained or be a spiritual leader, even the educational system, you know, the patriarchy of that, the, the, the exclusive nature of what goes on in those circles. Yeah. Got me yeah. on a soapbox there. Preach, preach. Um, preach and, is good. And, and, and we kind of started, you know, making a bit of a joke around the, you know, afflicting the comfortable. And I, I, we always want to underscore that our our goal isn't to shame anyone or tell them you're doing it wrong. Our goal is to go like we've we've sat in a place of comfort thinking we were one thing and we're really not. How do we truly live up to the ideal of what we say we are? Uh to to echo what you're just saying, to to and and that's that's uncomfortable work, <laughs> you yeah. know. Um, so are you willing to put yourselves under that magnifying glass and ask not just yourself, but ask the people in your space about their comfort level, about their safety? It would be interesting to say, you know, to have a congregation um, or invite your congregation to anonymously, you know, submit. Yeah. In what, you know, where do I not feel safe in this congregation? What have I not been willing to share about myself in this community? Um, and and here's why not. You know, it might be an eye-opening exercise uh, to, to, to do that. And scary as well yes. um, to, 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 to acknowledge that. Because you can't unring that bell. Like once no. you get that information and you read it, it's you've read it. I mean, you can ignore it, you know, but you can't unring that bell. It's going to sit and chew in your consciousness till you act yes. on it. Yes. And then how do you act on it? Right. Uh, you know, and if there's a bunch of different things, you know, maybe you can't do everything at once. What do you address first? Um, who do you invite into into making changes with you please invite the people who are most affected by it uh you know and and offer them to step into the leadership of making changes and they may or may not say yes if none of the people within your community say yes please don't assume that you can do it yourself find someone outside of your community 
who right. knows about the subject matter to come in and school you a little bit um, about what you need to do. And it's okay to say, I don't know. It's okay to say, um, yes, we do need to take a look at this. It may cost us. It may make us all uncomfortable. But if you we truly may lose want, some people, we, oh, you definitely we'll are going to, yeah, you are yeah. definitely are going to lose some people. Which means some money might go away. Yes. 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 That's part of the, it might cost you. And at the same time, the, the safer you make the space, the more people who are seeking that safety will show up. Right. So it becomes a question of who do you want really in your space? Um, right. And if there are people who, who are going to leave the space because they don't feel comfortable with the changes, then that's an invitation for them. You are not excluding them. You're, you're, right. widening, you're widening your net of inclusivity and they don't want to be a part of it. And there's nothing right. you can do about that. That's, that's their work to do. Um, but I think you'll be better off widening in that, that net. Um, I also think it's important for, um, you know, often I see, you know, board members in a, in a spiritual community that, that, you know, want to, you know, expand the worldview, want their spiritual leader, their pastor, you know, whoever to, mm-hmm expand what they talk about to talk about what we're talking about and the minister won't um you know they won't talk about racism they won't talk about certainly not going to talk about relationship structure if they're not going to talk about racism you know lots of you know the systems of oppression at work in the lives of everybody sitting in front of the you know the minister um or the the spiritual leader of whatever community but a board often, you know, there's people on a board that want to, that want the, the leader to do that and the leader refuses. So I'm going to call attention to the board that y'all need to be, you know, afflicting. <laughs> um, if you have a leader who's not willing, then you need to take a look at, are you really inclusive? What is your mission? Yeah. Um, you are upholding the patriarchy. Yes, yes. Um, shameless plug. I wrote a one of my subsects. Um, I wrote uh, a couple of weeks ago. It was called "Safer in a Dungeon: What Spiritual yeah. Communities Can Learn from Kink Spaces About Safety, Consent, and Inclusion." And and one of the things I shared in in the article was um, the fact that. When I compare, and mind you, I I was the pastor of a church, <laughs> so you know I I was the perpetuator of of um, unwelcome in culture. I thought it was welcome in culture, but maybe not as welcome in as I assumed it to be when I was there. I didn't know why I didn't know, um, but right. n- now that I also um, frequent um, kink spaces like like dungeons and uh house parties uh kink parties that people have in their homes uh, as well um the 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 attention that's paid to to safety and consent and inclusion is astounding and when i say the attention is being paid to it like at a at a gathering they will start off by inviting people who are new to the gathering to come early because they're going to explain the rules 
And they right. explain the rules of what, when we say safety, this is what we mean. And we will have people who are monitoring to ensure that you are safe. When we say inclusion, this is what we mean. A um, lot of time spent on what consent means. Um, and, the, and the inclusion part that I love is that you can, you can be here. And as long as you are not causing harm to someone else or to yourself, you can be here whatever level of participation you want to be. Um, yeah. whether it's just um, being a witness or being an active participant and no one's going to judge you for it. And I, I, it, it, it brings me back to being part of churches my whole life where we say that to folks. Yeah. And then when they show up, it's like, how could we get this person to volunteer for this? How can we get this person to give more? How can we get this person to do this? How can we get this person to do that? We got to get these people more engaged. We got to, we got to, we got to, we got to yeah. move them from where they are when they show up to some other way of being, uh, being a know, member, being, being a member. How do we get you from, yeah. How do we get you from being, uh, you know, sporadic giver to being a consistent tither? Like how, how, how do we change who you are? to be more of what we want participants to be. And, and, and I'm not saying don't, uh, don't create opportunities for people. I'm simply saying uh, there's a line, there's a line between providing opportunities and trying to change people. And if yeah. you're trying to change people, that's not inclusion. You know, there's that's, that's uh, what's the word I want? Not brainwashing. That's uh like force there you go thank you thank you thank listen i'm not gonna i ain't kidding like that one hour time difference and we're starting for me we started recording at my local time 7 p.m like yeah. my, my brain is like we in wind down mode already <laughs> like it's amazing well i i think the so yeah wind down mode and i i, I just want to say one thing about what you were talking about is that I, I unfortunately, I think there's uh, generally an arrogance among many spiritual leaders that um, uh, that think they are inclusive, that think they, you know, do everything that you said, and that believe um, how we be, you know, that that we are not the kind of place where someone new shows up and we, you know, glom onto them and get them to want them to volunteer or be a member. Uh, most spiritual leaders I know um, would most likely go, uh, yes, I understand that. And that's not us. And um, it is. And it's not because we're not well-meaning or have good hearts. It's because we're, right. it's baked in. It's, it's the culture. Yes. And, and that's the other thing you gotta, you have, you have to look at what is, what is the culture, both the, both the consciously promoted culture and the unconscious culture that exists in, in your spaces, whether it's church space, workspace, your home space, you know, culture and, and culture doesn't just happen. Culture is created, culture is taught, yes. culture is agreed upon. And, and yes, shift in culture involves a being aware where the, where your starting point is, Here's who we are as our group. And is this who we want to keep on wanting to be? And then how do we shift that? And as we said before, realize that when you shift culture, no matter how slowly you shift it, 
it will be more open and welcoming to some folks and other folks or feel like I don't belong here anymore. Right. And that's okay. And, you know, I know as a, as a pastor, when I think back to the efforts to be more quote unquote, welcoming, more inclusive, it ultimately came down a lot of times to how can we get more people in so that we will have more income? There was, there was just a, a, I was, we were having a planning call yesterday. I'm like, are we going to have to do a whole series on capitalism too? Sure. Why not? But there was this, there was this under, there was always this undercurrent of more is better, more people, more money, more programming, more, 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 which is rooted in capitalism. It's a scarcity mindset. It's a scarcity mindset. You know, um, so so that may be that may be the next series after this. We'll we'll see. Um, but 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 part of that part of that um, mindset is the patriarchy mindset is all is is hierarchy, right? Which is yeah. which is better than something is better than we need more of this and less of this. Uh, we value these people more than these people we we value the big donors more than than the people who give you know five dollars once a month or whatever we have to we have to pamper them more we have to you know and and that's both a capitalism thing but it's a patriarchy thing because it establishes hierarchy and it and i i i i'll say this all the time like i i got a lot of pushback and people leaving the church I was at because I did not want to know what people gave. I didn't want to know who gave what. I didn't want to know who the biggest donors were. I inadvertently found out because people were very clear to tell me <laughs> if who, who who to not piss off. And I rem- and I re- I remember um, one of our biggest donors leaving the church because you know that person was really a closet homophobe Mm. and and when when he showed who he really was um and left he basically blamed um it was it was a weird it sounded like we were getting a divorce irreconcilable differences with the minister i was like are we are you breaking up with me what's happening (laughs) Yeah, you know, sort of deal, but he, but he, but he kind of was, and and it was, and I remember, I'll, I'll never forget this board meeting when we were discussing this, and I was like trying to honor this person's confidentiality, and I finally had to say, listen, here's here's what happened and why he left, and we're sitting in a board meeting with queer people, gay people, trans people in that board meeting. And I remember after I shared what happened, there was like dead silence in the room. Yeah. And the and the trans person on the board said, okay, we can let him go. Like, you know, like, and that was kind of that. Yeah. Um, but but it took it took people, and I knew where the discomfort, where that silence was. That silence was here's a deep pocket going out the door at a time where we can't afford to lose money. But now we got a question, which right. do we want more, the money, or do we want to be more who we say we are? Right. And if this person doesn't feel like he belongs because he's, if he fits into a 
place that that honors truly was endeavoring to honor people regardless of their identity then that's on him not on us um but the hesitation was a very human moment of like oh (laughs) right so you get to choose you know standing you get get to choose you get to choose and some of it uh and some of it was a shock of like of people going like we didn't know this about him i know right there was there was there was that that shock as well but um but this is this is the discomfort that we find ourselves in sometimes yes. when when we say we're gonna we're, we're gonna endeavor to be who we say we want to be and that means not assuming that you are simply because you've declared it or because you are it in specific areas look at all the other areas as well there's, there are more more closet anti whatever people in spiritual communities than we may realize. Yes, 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 and it's and it's and it's the one place where where you feel it. It's it's a it's again one of those paradoxes. Yes, it is is we want to create a space where everyone feels safe to be who they are, and if who you are is a bigot then maybe this isn't the space for you right um no matter no matter how you're rich probably you are, not going to feel you're probably not going to feel welcomed <laughs> yeah no matter how rich you are no matter if you founded the place no matter if you know no 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 matter your level of importance back to hierarchy um yeah. who, who who you who, who you make allowances for who you make exceptions for right. says a whole lot about your culture and your character and um, you gotta you gotta take a look at that. And again, <laughs> I'll be the first to acknowledge it is challenging, difficult, uncomfortable work. Um, well, I think that's why we use the word afflict because it's not not for bingo. people suffer and to you know pile on the hurt and shame. But we're it's gonna you know keep poking, you know keep afflicting the. Um, yeah. What's not inclusive? If you're going to talk about being an inclusive place that all are welcome, we accept. Ma- ma- that was a very masterful bringing us full circle to <laughs> to how how we started. I I I'm giving you I give you a round of applause for that one. That was good. Thanks. That was good. You're, you're you're more than welcome. <laughs> well, it's getting late for you, so I thought I'd help. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you. I was kind of I was kind of going on there. I was kind of like. Let's get getting on no. my soapbox for a minute there. Well, it's such a it's such a uh, <sighs> you know it's our wheelhouse. It's it's one of the places I think where you know we have a lot to say and and passionate about it. And exactly, it. and 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 live it to to the point of our own discomfort around exclusion, <laughs> right? <Yeah. laughs> about it, and um, but again, that's what integrity means for me. Which 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 do I value most? Uh, yeah. you know the, the the being liked and um and the the pseudo belonging or being being a clear voice for we can all do better than this including myself right, right. You, know, you know um so that's where we are um so yeah if if you who are listening uh feel um suitably afflicted enough thank you um and 
Um, again, the intention, the intention is always to invite you into a deeper exploration of yourselves, of your yeah. community, ask the challenging questions, see who's comfortable and who's not, see who's safe and doesn't feel safe. Um, and and be prepared, be prepared for the answer that you hear. <laughs> it may yeah. it might not be the answer you want, but it might be the answer you need. Um, so and and also to remind you that we are here to help. <laughs> so you know if you need if you need folks to help you facilitate that conversation in your community, yeah. you know we're 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 here. We've been around the block a few times. We've been around a lot of blocks a few times. Yeah. Be willing to step out of the patriarchy and say, you know what? I don't know. Let me bring in someone who does. Exactly. Exactly. Um, also, you might think, oh, I know some people who might benefit from listening to this uh, podcast, this specific episode. You can share it with them by letting them know you, they can find us on all the podcast platforms out there. Just search for With Love and Justice for All. If they don't know how to navigate the podcast world, you can find us on the old school interwebs at withloveandjusticeforall.podbean.com. You can uh, find links to the show at projectsanctus.com as well, and also spaces to donate to help keep the track running, keep the track running, keep the train on the tracks, keep the train running on the tracks. Maybe I shouldn't be the one who's wrapping up the episode today. <laughs> keep the train running on the tracks uh, as well. Um, so thank you. Thank you all for listening, and thank you for joining us in 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 this creation of a world of of love justice and liberation for all so until we meet again let's get our holy on <laughs>